Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Decker, and I am the guest host on Jonathan Goldhill's podcast today, The Disruptive Successor Podcast. And for this first episode, we wanted to get to know the host a little bit more, Jonathan Goldhill. So first off, what inspired you to write this book? So Lee, I've been working with business owners for 30 years. And I've worked in a lot of different industries with a lot of different types of businesses. And some of the most common things that I've seen is that most of the businesses that I work with are family businesses. Mm. And in fact, my book is loaded with some statistics about family businesses and what percent of the businesses in the United States are family businesses. But two-thirds of the GDP in this country are coming from family businesses. Hmm. Family businesses fuel the growth of small and middle market companies, largely speaking. And you'd be surprised to know how many publicly traded companies are family-owned and controlled. Many of the car companies, for instance, are all family-owned and controlled. And so Hmm. for many years working with family businesses, small businesses, I started to see a pattern in my clientele. And those were next generation leaders in family businesses. Hmm. So their business started by maybe their mom and dad was a nice business, a successful business. It maybe got them a second home in Tahoe and a, you know, a, a, a ski home or a place they could go water skiing or something. So they had that and it was a good business, but it was largely what I would call a craftsman driven business, hmm. meaning that it was largely based around the expertise, the technical abilities of the founder mm. who was kind of more of a craftsman. And this next generation, um, these leaders are millennials. They're typically like 25 to 40. And I just noticed the preponderance of them taking over mom and dad's business mm. and wanting to make it better. And mm. I knew that since you know what got them here was good, successful, gave them a nice life, But I knew they wanted something more, more freedom, a bigger legacy, um, more toys perhaps even, but also just to build a better company that was better for all. And I just have increasingly worked with those types of clients. And so helping them, giving them a playbook is why I wrote this book. So giving them a playbook, it doesn't seem like when when you're going out and I own a business myself, there is no playbook on how to do this right. There, I mean, and so to have a guide to follow, I mean, how, how have you, what, what, what got you to create that playbook? So, you know, um, I was a parent, I still am. And the first thing I commented was after I finished reading those books, you know, mm. the, the wife was reading the books, what to expect when you're expecting. But then there's nothing like what to expect on how to raise your child. Mm. There's no playbook or game plan on that. And the truth is, is that we always are learning from the people who are just a little, like one step ahead of us. You know, what did your child do at this stage of growth or how did you handle that? Well, business is very much the same. And there's peer groups 
for you for people who want to learn and 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 I greatly encourage that uh, learn from your peers those who have gone before you what did they do but you know over time you start to realize that there's the same set of timeless principles and practices mm. that work well in any business in any industry and they align themselves over like the seven different P's framework that I put in my book and I figured why not give people the advantage of understanding that business has got a systematic like approach and that if you can just see the sequence and the patterns and start to understand, you can start to expect and anticipate a lot greater. And so that's what I put, to, put together is a way for people to start seeing the patterns and start understand how do I make my business more scalable, more valuable? Um, what do I need to do to do that? So that's, that's what I did. Well, before I ask you about those seven P's, I want to make an observation. And the observation is this. Everybody tells me to be an entrepreneur, to experience the freedom, to go and start the business. And it, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a ton of bodies of work out there about starting. And then to have a, a, a framework like, oh, what to expect when you're expecting. What happens when... What, what happens later in life in, in that in that child's life? Where's the guidebook for that? So what are these seven Ps? Yeah, uh, good comments, good questions. And uh, just to, as a comment on that, I was listening to a speaker yesterday. He's a well-known guy, Gary Hamill. He's the most published Harvard Business Review uh, author. He wrote a book called Humanocracy, where he's advocating that everyone should become an entrepreneur. And he's giving you a case study of a company that I believe had 8,000 or 17,000 employees and only three managers. So I love that idea that we can teach everyone to become an entrepreneur and that these are learnable skills. Um, and so, but you know, you have to teach it. I went to school and learned about entrepreneurship, but largely when I went to school, I was learning from a professor who was all interested in venture capitalists and financing these high-tech, high-growth startups. Mm. And the reality is, look, only 2% or less than 2% of all companies ever get funded by a venture capitalist. And largely 98% of small businesses are started by people like you and me, mm. out of our bedroom, out of our garage, with our credit card, with mom and dad's you know, financial support, or a friend or family, or sometimes we call them a fool, who puts their money in. And yeah, there's a great wealth of resources out there for entrepreneurs to start up. You know, I'm sure business books for dummies on how to start a business in any industry, magazines that cater to it. But there are really very few books that cater to like, so, okay, once you've got it up and running and now you want to get past the million dollar mark or you're getting past the million dollar mark. And, you know, by the way, less than 5% of all companies in the United States ever make it past a million dollars. So it's, you know, it's kind of like we used to talk about, you know, I want to be a millionaire. Well, now today everyone's a millionaire. I mean, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's not no big deal to be a millionaire anymore, but to have a million dollar plus business, that's still a pretty big deal. And there isn't really a framework. So there are a few out there. Mine is the seven P's. It starts with planning and purpose. You've got to be really clear about what your purpose is. And, 
And, you know, Simon Sinek did some great work around this with Start With Why, and a lot of people have caught on to it. But it's like people will rally around you and get excited about what you're doing if they know why you're doing it and if it touches their hearts and their souls and it moves them. So you've got to have a really clear purpose. And, you know, chances are mm. if you're the founder that I'm, that I'm writing about in, this, in my book, then your purpose was probably just to put food on the table. You know, put a roof over your kids' heads, make sure they could get to school. And then it started to become like, huh, maybe we're making enough income. We could get a nicer car or get a second home or, or buy our own home. So purpose is really got to be reinvented for this next generation entrepreneur, this next generation leader, this disruptive successor, because it's no longer mom or dad's purpose. It's got to be your purpose. And it's got to be a purpose that's larger and bigger and, and touches you and touches your people. And so then from there, we need a plan, right? We need to always be planning, I think. We can't just wing it. Um, there's too many casualties. There's too many failures of business. 95% of businesses fail in the first few years mm. because people wing it. So planning, you know, knowing what you're going to do in 90 days, in, you know, in one year, and where do you want to be in five years, 10 years, planning is super important. Mm. And then you look at your products, or your services? And do they need to be upgraded, reinvented? I mean, things change. In, in my family's business, I mean, they were making and manufacturing men's suits in North Philadelphia. And then they opened up a factory in Kansas City. I mean, there are no men's suits being made in the United States today. Not, not that I'm aware of, except maybe there's a few tailors that custom making for basketball players. Um, but Everything's being made overseas. And mm -hmm. so that was a big shift was when manufacturing went overseas, went to mm. China, went to Taiwan, went to Italy, went to Canada. Um, so things have to change. Your products have to change. Your services have to change. You, you have to be innovative around that. So you've got to look at, do I need to innovate the, way, the, the product itself? Do I need to innovate the process or the business model? I mean, e-commerce is crushing it right now. If you looked at the growth of e-commerce companies just in the last five months during this pandemic, they've grown at the rate that it took them 20 years to grow. And so, like, you know, if you're not buying stuff online and having it shipped to your home, then you're being like left behind. So you've got to think about your business model, your processes, your products, uh, I mean, doing it and doing innovations. And so that's one of obviously the one of the P's. And then my favorite P of them all is people. If you don't have a healthy team, if there isn't a constructive conflict where you engage in, in good, healthy debates and where people maybe agree to disagree, but then commit and move forward. If, if you don't have clarity on the team about where you're going, if you don't have processes for bringing the right people on the team and throwing the wrong people overboard, mm. then, you know, that's the formula for disaster because team is ultimately the, probably the greatest competitive advantage is your people. If you've got great people, you can really build a great company. So, so I've gone through what the P's of purpose, planning, products, people. Then you've got to have also your priorities, your processes, and your performance, right? You've got to be clear on what are we trying to get done and who's going to do it and by when and how's it going to get measured. And so that's some of the priorities and, and 
Uh, obviously, performance is ultimately about financial performance, and that's not just about profits and losses, but mm. about cash. And so, and I kind of skipped over processes, but you got to have strong processes in place so that this work can be done by other people and isn't dependent upon that craftsman technician type business owner Hmm. that was maybe the founder. So, so that's kind of my framework. I know that was a mouthful, but it sounds like rules for scalability rules for continuing like, like, like an operating system like windows or Mac or Linux. It's a, it's, it's a, a way to holistically look at your business through a lens and then to uh, apply the right tool, just like a doctor would prescribe the right medicine, et cetera. And I, and I suppose even having some ongoing accountability would, would, would be really helpful. But I, w- I want to ask you a very int- a different question just popped up into my mind, which is knowing what you knew today what would you say to yourself at 18, 19, 20? What would you what would you say to your past self if you could help yourself just take some massive shortcuts? So am I talking to the 18-year-old who wants to become a coach or a consultant or an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur, I would presume, yeah. The 18-year-old wants so, to become an entrepreneur, like the that you had the fire inside. Yeah. What would you say to that? So I think that one of the first things that I would say, and I I think this would be, this might not land well, meaning they might not hear it that well. But the first thing you have to really do is take stock of yourself. What are you made of? What are you capable of? How serious are you? What do you want to accomplish and achieve? I mean, let's be real that there aren't many 18 to 27-year-olds, and I use that as a time frame where your brain is still kind of forming. The, you know, the, the frontal lobes haven't completely like settled in. And there, a lot of 18 to 27-year-olds probably don't have much of a clue about what they really want to be. Mm-hmm. So or, you know, who they want to become, what they want their life to look like. So... If you don't have some of those basic foundational things together, then probably any other advice beyond that is not going to, you know, it's not going to go very far because you're not serious. And by serious, I don't mean like, you know, you know, frown. It sounds like Socrates, know know thyself. It it very much is. You have to start with knowing yourself and and knowing what you're capable of. And, you know, I think that... uh, it's probably too young. Of, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but look, it's a great time to make mistakes and learn, mm-hmm. but learn from your mistakes. Um, I, I think my failures were my greatest teachers, and I had several failures in businesses that, but I kept, fail, I feel like I failed up mm-hmm. and I kept getting better and learning more. So, so I would ask yourself, you know, are you really ready for this? What what does this look like? Can you see yourself in 10 years? Mm. And then recognize that you might not be part of that one or 5% that really is serious enough and capable. And what I would then say is, why not learn on someone else's dime? Mm. Go and work for somebody else. Go and work for a company. I mean, like, if I were to speak to a a, a mother or a father who was thinking about bringing their son or daughter into the business, I would give them probably this advice. I would say, unless your kid is really ready for it, send them out into the world. 
tell them they need to go work for another business owner, another entrepreneur, uh, a, mm-hmm. a successful business. Learn how business is really conducted. Learn how to grow up and mature and learn good good things that you can't learn inside of my small business or mm. your small business. Go learn them outside. Make mistakes on their dime. And then when you're ready, come back. And then let's talk about you know what ideas you have. And I think that as a parent, I, I could imagine myself, and I see it in my clients, being somewhat resistant to my 27-year-old's idea about what they want to do to my business. You know, I mean, they have all these ideas and plans, and yet it's always my pocketbook that they want to spend the money with. So, mm-hmm. um, but if I if they had gotten some of that real world experience and maturity, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's just you you can't get that. It takes time. Can I speak to that young person really quick? Please. And I I want to just share a bit of my own journey. If you're listening to this and you're saying oh my God, going to go work somewhere and have a job seems very boring, right? It just seems like, I don't know if I could do the same thing for an extended period of time. I want to share with you how I overcame that because I love having variety in my life. I love having a ton of different projects to work on where I would find smaller problems that I could solve for many people and have a diverse client base for freelancing, and that provided the income I needed and the variety I was seeking. And then a little bit more of a well-rounded approach. I got to experience how a lot of different industries and a lot of different businesses operated and, and, and what were the common threads behind those things. So if you're evaluating, okay, go get that internship at JP Morgan or go figure out how to do some freelance work for 10 different people, I would say if you're like me, Go do the freelance work. Do you agree? Disagree? I think that uh, you have to look at what your purpose is. I mean, if you're going to go get a job at J.P. Morgan, look, I, I've never been part of that institution, so I probably shouldn't comment on that. But, you know, your chances are you're going to be treated like a grunt and you're going to be expected to put a lot of hours in and produce results for the firm that are probably not going to be that rewarding for you. And I think that going the route that you went, which was the route that I went, I was very much of a freelancer. I was a consultant. I was jumping around when I was young, doing different things, different companies, different projects, different nonprofits. I was, they were all like what I would call scrappy startup type situations. And, and I learned a lot from them, but Look, had I gone to a company where I might have gotten... Let's say Google, right? If you had gone, if you'd I mean, gone, you you went into Google right right off the bat. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like, but it seems like, like a dream come true to me. It sounds like incredible freedom. It sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like you're around a lot of smart people and you're learning and, and you're just surrounded by inspiration. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe my fi- naive perspective. So maybe it is just finding the environment that's right for you based on who who you are know thyself but you may not recognize who you are immediately it may not be clear like the crystal ball the eight ball it's a little murky right i think look i think that what i was taught as a child is something that's maybe more common now with millennials which is follow your passion find something that you're excited about and do it you know, it's the old, it's kind of the old adage. Like if you do what you love, you'll do it often. Mm. And if you do it often, you'll do it well. 
And if you do it well, you'll be well paid. Mm-hmm. And it's taken time. And, and I've seen in your development, because you were working with me 10 years ago, I believe, and you've come full circle to doing some of the work that you were doing originally. Lit- no, liter- we're, we're talking about literally the exact same work that I that I did a decade ago is the exact same work I'm doing today, except it is at a, I am, I am working with people that I, I have to pinch myself because I think I'm dreaming sometimes, but my, my family of clients and the people with me in my day-to-day because I've focused on mastering a few things, it has opened so many doors. Well, I mean, you came to me as sort of an intern and we started, I was like, what can you do yeah. well? And you're like, well, I've come pretty good with computers and stuff. And like, you know, we did a website. It wasn't so good, but we did some videos. And once we had again, a lot learn of on someone else's dime. Right. Learn on my dime. <laughs> and it wasn't too expensive. And we did some masterful and fun videos that mm. you were very artistic with developing the I'm the still intro proud of the, yeah. They're great stuff. <laughs> and we had a blast doing it. And to think today, here you are, you've got your own business, teaching people how to podcast and setting it all up and oh, you build systems. I mean, better, better than that, Jonathan. It, right now, we're on a mission to go work with the world's top 10 change makers to help 100 million people break out of isolation and into acceptance. Like if you're listening to this and you feel alone, like those things inside and you, you like the, those secrets, the things that you, you think that if you share with somebody, they're going to run away from you like you're some sort of dumpster fire. I got news for you. I've done the testing for you. I've done the research. If you share what's actually going on inside with another human being, they then share something about themselves and you realize that you're not alone. The minute you walk over that line from isolation into acceptance, your entire life changes. And I want to do that for 100 million people. Well, look, having a big, <laughs> hairy, audacious goal, Jim Collins calls it a BAG. Yeah. You know, it, it excites you. It probably gets you out of bed in the morning. It and does. It's like, I'm on my way, you know, okay. You know, it's only one today, but we're one more closer to that that million people impact. And 100 people, 100, 100 million. 100 million people impact. So good. Think big or go home, I guess, as they say. And so uh, why not? It's I think it's exciting. And so... Um, I wouldn't be doing my job as a host if I didn't, I didn't ask you what your your plans were for this book for disruptive successor because you've been working on it for a long time now like this is i i think you were technically working on this book 10 years ago when i first met you like it was it was just starting to stir up like and 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 now it's ready and we're talking about this thing will be out the door in a month how does it feel what do you want it to do so you know it took me 30 years to learn my craft. Yeah. Okay. And it, I wrote, I read a book on how to write a book in two weeks in 14 (laughs) days or less. And I thought, okay. And uh, I followed this guy's process. It was quite brilliant. And I got good piece of the book written in two weeks. And then I sat on it for four weeks and didn't do anything and then picked it up and finished a few more chapters two weeks later. And then it took me about a year to edit the book wow. with several rounds of editors and, and publisher and then graphics. And then it was taken a long way, a long road to get here. And so I'm pretty proud of the work that I've done. And I know that if I, when I go to write my next book, it'll be a lot faster. 
and I know um, I'll be more disciplined and I'll know how I'll do it because uh, I won't make some of the same mistakes that I made this time. So uh, I forgot what your question was. I'm, I'll share so, something. When I, when I first got a print copy of the book that I just published earlier this year, Profit, I, you know, just r- being willing to say, this is a done, this is done. I'm, I'm, it's complete now. It's not, it's not ready. It'll never be ready. So I'm just going to make it ready today. And then this is today's version of the story that I want to write. Right. I just got to get it out. Right. And knowing that I'm going to look back on this five years from now and say, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, so now uh, let me go back and answer the other part of your question. Sure. I remember it. So, uh, there's two things that I wanted to establish. One was um, I wanted to build on my own brand identity. Mm-hmm. I've been part of a lot of organizations where I've licensed or been a franchisee or I've been a, you know, a licensee or you know, I've had the rights to use their materials and, and stuff like that. And it was time for me to create my own brand, my own legacy, and speak to my ideal client the one that I really want to talk to. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I didn't have any illusions that this was going to be a bestseller, New York Times bestseller and, and, you know, make a million dollars. But then I said to myself, why not? Why not have this be a million dollar book? And so I actually have a personal goal of having this be a million dollar book. Hmm. And it's not a million dollars at, you know, 1599 or whatever the book cover price is going to be, but it's based on having, I mean, 10 clients, that came to me that I made a huge impact on their business that each paid me a hundred thousand dollars, which would be a small amount of money given the amount of change, the asymmetric value in their business. I mean, it's really, it's huge, not only in terms of profit, but also in terms of the value that the business will have when they start with me to when they finish. So I mean, I think, how, it, I think having a million value, dollar book is not How that. can you put a value on the time that you would get back? How can you put a value on the peace of mind that you would get? How can you put a value on the legacy? How can you, all this stuff is like, you can't even put a price tag on Well, you know, what I'm selling ultimately is freedom. And freedom is, you know, it, it's priceless. You can't put a price tag on it. And everyone's freedom is different. You know, for me, freedom might be the ability to continue to coach mm. well into my 70s, being vital, being physically vital, being mentally vital, and maybe living in some place that really excites me. I mean, I have this idea about having a place in Costa Rica and being able to relax, but also have... I'm going to need you know, an invite for that one. 100%. <laughs> I'm going to invite go, a lot of surfing. people to come visit. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, but you know, everyone's freedom is something different. And so I'm, I'm looking for people who freedom lines up with mine or, or whom I can get excited about motivating and inspiring their freedom. So you're, you're starting this show and you know, you're thinking the people that are sitting in the room with us right now, okay, wrote a book. Now you're doing a podcast. Awesome. But you know what, what kind of people are you going to be bringing on here? What can your listeners expect? So I want to bring on people who can both inspire and educate and be a resource uh, to the people, to the listeners. And so my thought is, is that there's a lot of folks that are involved in family businesses. Mm. They're involved in succession planning. 
They're involved in estate planning. They help deal with crafting insurance policies to, you know, to protect people. They do things that protect the family and the estate. And so I'll be looking to some of those types of advisors, folks who are in the wealth management field, who work mm. with families, multi-generational families, folks that deal with the real estate interests of families. So preserving family legacies, if that's something that you're interested in, if succession is something that you're interested in, mm. if knowing how to scale your business, and if listening to the stories of other entrepreneurs who maybe come on as guests because they're a little stuck and this mm. is a way for them to start opening up uh, and talking about you know where they're looking for some help so i want this to be a collaborative community where information can be learned and shared so bring us to home base we're at third base bring us home slide into home so, yeah so, bring us home okay so if you are a next generation leader, if you are in a family business, or if you're an entrepreneur who is looking to, to take their disruptive idea and business and scale it from seven figures to eight figures or eight figures and beyond, then come join me on my show. Come join me as a listener. Um, introduce me to your network Bring and, and invite I'm inviting you to come on to the show and let's talk about what it's going to take for you to get your business to the next level. So everyone's going to be different. I'm excited to, to share this with you and have you be part of it with me. All right. You heard it. Challenge accepted. Reach out to Jonathan Goldhill, the host of the Disruptive Successor podcast. I've had a blast being today's guest host moving forward. Jonathan's going to be your guide, your Sherpa, your mentor to, to what? To freedom, <laughs> freedom and growth, freedom mentor. All right, guys. See you later. Over and out. Thank you for joining us on the disruptive successor podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.